You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. We'll take a copy of God's Word and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll get there in a few moments, or as always, you can follow on the screen. Today, I want to preach a message on one of the ordinances that we observe here in our church. Now, the ordinance of communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever you may call it. But we in the Baptist church, we always like to celebrate baptism, which we already have, and then the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And we will partake in this supper at the end of the service. For some of you today, this may be the first time that you've really heard maybe just a real message on this subject. Again, because in the Baptist church, we do practice these two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So hopefully, all of us will have a better understanding of this ordinance before we leave here today. Now, if you know anything about Wapakoneta, if you hear the, the name Wapakoneta, the thing that uh, stands out to a lot of people is there was this special guy who's not living right now. He died not too long ago. What's his name? Neil Armstrong, the first man to have ever walked on the moon. There's also another man who is one of the first 12 to walk on the moon named Buzz Aldrin. How many of y'all remember that name? After the capsule had landed before the historic walk with Neil Armstrong, he called Mission Control and asked for complete silence for a few moments. So between the moon and earth, there was no correspondence of words. And he took out a little packet that he had and he opened it. And it was bread and a cup. The first liquid poured on the moon and the first food that was eaten on the moon was communion wine and bread. And it was a historic moment with great spiritual implications. You see, nowhere in Scripture are we told to remember the resurrection, <clears throat> but we do. We are commanded, though, to remember the cross. Now, why would the Bible instruct us to remember the cross and not the empty tomb? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Lord Jesus knew we wouldn't have any trouble remembering the resurrection on that morning. And at the same time, he knew that we would probably tend to forget the cruel cross of Calvary. Here in Easter, coming up in April, we always celebrate here Good Friday. As you know, on Good Friday, we sing some songs and then we take partake in communion again, but we, we talk about the death, the burial, and of course the resurrection. And then on Easter, it's all about celebrating what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection. Matthew 26, that's why it says, this is my body given for you, broken for you, and this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. You see, the cross wasn't pleasant, but rather painful, and it reminds us that we are sinners saved by grace. 
It has several names. When calling it communion, we emphasize the fellowship with God the Father and each other through Jesus. Calling it the Lord's Supper emphasizes that we follow the example of Jesus set at the Last Supper, the Passover meal he had with his disciples. The name Eucharist means thanksgiving. It emphasizes thanksgiving and the joyful celebration of God's work for us, in us, through us, and in spite of us. But this morning, I want you to see five things about the Lord's Supper. You know, when we are asked to go out to eat with someone, I don't know if you're like me, but if we're going to a certain restaurant, I always go to the menu first. I always want to see what I'm eating. Like I said, a lot of people eat to live. I live to eat. Anybody like that? You know what I mean? You really want to check it out. But sometimes when we come together, really in the Baptist church, whether it's four times, five times, six times, ever how many times a year to partake of the Lord's Supper, we just kind of come in ho-hum. And we just think, yeah, I've been saved. I've been baptized. I'll just take the Lord's Supper. But it's nearly not supposed to work that way because we really are supposed to examine ourselves before we ever participate. So the first thing I want to talk about is it is a time for participation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. It says this, in 16 and 17, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In other translations, it says the cup of thanksgiving. So what is this cup of thanksgiving that Paul is talking about in verse 16? It is the giving of thanks. And we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Be honest. Individually and collectively. Give him thanks. How many of you are thankful for your salvation? You need to thank him for your forgiveness. You need to thank him for his faithfulness. And you need to thank Him for His goodness. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 in the King James Version says, it is, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The word communion is the Greek word koinonia. It speaks of having something in common. It speaks of participation. It is fellowship. Paul's saying that when we share in this supper, we're sharing in the effects of the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sin. All that we are and all that we have and enjoy is because and only because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, we're told specifically, this is the Lord's Supper. Keep in mind that we are the guest, and He is the host. And our focus is to be solely on Him and what He did for us on a cross over 2,000 years ago. So first, it's a time of participation, but secondly, it is a time for examination. Verses 27 
and 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let me just stop right there. Last week I talked about being offended. If you have an offended spirit, if you have offended someone, if you haven't forgiven someone, what this is saying, until you get that right, you are not to partake of the Lord's Supper. What does the next verse say? Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The word examine literally means to prove or qualify. In other words, before you take the Lord's Supper, you've got to make sure you are qualified, and two things qualify you to take the Lord's Supper. First of all, you have accepted Christ, Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and received Him as the Savior and forgiver of your sins. But secondly, you are willing to be honest with your, any sin in your life and take care of that sin before you take the supper. That's very straight to the fact, isn't it? The Lord's Supper is a time when you are to do three things with the sin in your life. First of all, you are to identify. You ask God before you take the supper, Lord, is there any sin in my life that needs to be corrected? Then second, you rectify it. You confess it and you admit it and ask forgiveness for it. And thirdly, you purify it. Make sure that your heart is clean before the Lord. And this is the way that you're able to take the supper. Please understand the point that Paul is making here. There are some people who come to the Lord's Supper, and rather than giving up a sin in their life, whether it's a grudge against someone, bitterness or whatever, they just won't take the Lord's Supper. And you know what that really is? That is a cop-out. You see, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is not for you to come and hold on to your sin and take the supper. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is to force you to get right with God so you can take the supper. Do you understand that this morning? As you know, we're about to take the grape juice here in a moment. As a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ, research has revealed benefits to drinking grape juice. There's a compound in grapes called quercetin. I don't know if you've ever seen it or read it on a bottle of anything you've ever taken, but it has been found to have preventative agents against cataracts. Quercetin enhances the body's ability to keep the lenses of your eyes clear. And this physical benefit reminds us of the spiritual benefit when we observe the Lord's Supper. Because what it does is it enhances our sight, our spiritual sight, to see ourselves through the body and the blood of Christ to help the things of God become clear to us if there is any sin in our life that we might get right with God. Verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's a time of participation. It's a time of examination. And thirdly, it is a time of appreciation. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, Simon Peter, the big fisherman, tells us that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. You see, the word bore means to carry as a sacrifice. It was used of the priest carrying the sacrifices up to the altar. And I may, if I could, just tell you this morning that in preparation for this supper, that it was Jesus who died. It was Jesus who bore our sins, who carried our sins to the cross so that we might live. Now listen to this. In the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd. In the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sheep. And oh, the deep-seated appreciation we express for his sacrifice and sharing this supper that we're going to share today. Now let's listen to the words of this song. Why should I gain from him? 
Amen. Thank you, Tracy. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son and make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that left him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath was brought, has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Amen? And it's because of that that we are to give thanks. We are to appreciate what he did. But it's, the Lord's Supper is also a time for proclamation. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do you see the word proclaim? It means to declare, to preach. It is used in Acts chapter 16 and verse 17 of a young girl who was demonized and said of Paul and his companions, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who claim to you the way of salvation. Now listen to it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you declare, you preach the Lord's death until he comes. You see, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're also listening to a sermon. In fact, the Lord's Supper is probably the most eloquent sermon about the death of Jesus that could ever be preached. And I know that there are many people who are puzzled by the fact that we are such sticklers about things like baptism and about the Lord's Supper. There are people who say, I don't understand the big deal about baptism. Why does it matter whether or not you are baptized by immersion or sprinkling? Why does it matter that you take the Lord's Supper with a certain piece of bread or a certain piece of liquid? Why won't any other food do? The reason is because the Lord's Supper and baptism are sermons about salvation. And unless they are observed correctly, the whole picture of salvation is lost. For example, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, We were buried therefore with him by baptism unto death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
Paul's meaning here is crystal clear. Baptism is the picture, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Likewise, the bread and the crackers and the Lord's Supper represents the body of Christ. The red juice of the grapes and the Lord's Supper represents the blood of Christ. I would also like to say to you who are parents here today, that one of the finest ways that you can ever explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to your children is to explain the meaning of baptism and explain the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Not everybody here can take the Lord's Supper today because not everybody here is a follower of Christ. Not everyone here has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and the Lord's Supper is only for those who belong to Christ. So when your child asks the inevitable question, why can't I take the Lord's Supper? It is a picture-perfect time for you to sit down and explain to your child exactly what the Lord's Supper represents and why a person must surrender to the Lord who the Supper represents before they can take the Supper with the Lord. That is really when it becomes a time of proclamation. And lastly, it's a time of anticipation. Verse 26 again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we are not only to look backwards, but we are to look Forward, We are to take this supper, Jesus himself said, until he comes back. You see, the Lord's Supper is a link between the two commons of Jesus. It is a picture of his death, but it is also a promise of his coming. It points backwards to the crucifixion, but it points forward to his coming. It looks backwards to a cross and looks forward to the clouds. And each time we take it, we are reminded that this same Jesus who was born of the Virgin Mary, who lived a perfect life, who died a sinless death, and who was raised from the dead, is one day coming back to this earth so we can forever, forever, forever sit at his table. Now I want you to imagine today, as we share in this supper, and at the conclusion, we are called up together in the clouds. What a day that will be. Will you bow your heads with me? Before we take the Lord's Supper today, like every time here, I want to have an invitation. If you're here this morning, and first of all, you don't know Jesus, and you've never asked Him in your heart as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation according to the Word of God. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, why don't you just pray this prayer silently. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart today and to forgive me of my sins. Father, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need you. Lord, would you come into my heart and save me? Would you be the boss of my life? Would you turn my life around? The Lord, I best I know how today, I ask you to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. 
If you prayed that prayer today, then you are a born-again Christian. And you yourself can even take in that supper today. For many of you here today, maybe there's some things that you just need to come and get right in your life. Maybe you're to the point in your life that you really can't take the supper because you have not really examined yourself and there's sin in your life that you need to get free of. And so today the altar will be open that you can come and do that, whatever it may be. Maybe you're looking for a church home and maybe God has placed in your heart today that this is the place for you to come. If you want to come and take one of us pastors by the hand and tell us that, we would love to talk to you about that. Whatever you're here for today, whatever you need, you will find it all in Jesus. Father, this morning, as we prepare for your supper, Lord, I would pray that each of us would examine ourselves, God, that we would be able to take the supper. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for those who came in baptism today. And God, that it may serve as a testimony to others that need to follow in believers' baptism. Lord, if there's someone today that needs to be baptized, that Father, maybe they would come forward today and just uh, confess that. Lord, for whatever needs to be done today, we pray that you would do it in the hearts of our people, that our people would accept your forgiveness. We ask all this in your blessed name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.